Welcome to the VP Live Network. Your 30-second countdown has begun. This show is intended for adults of legal smoking age, and as such, the content is not intended for viewers and listeners under the age of 18. Vapor's Place is in no way responsible for the opinions of any host on the VP Live Network. Please grab a vape, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hi kids, how are we? Um, This is probably going to be a short show. Just so you know right off the bat, this is probably going to be short. I am very tired. <laughs> just say it. I am, I am tired. Just fucking tired. But anyway, um, I guess the, I guess we'll start with a rant. Okay, yeah, we'll start with the damn rant. Um, and by the way, the phone lines are open, so um, if if you want to call and chime in and tell me I'm being a bitch, then go for it. Um, I was absolutely shocked today because somebody in the vaping world that I have known the entire time I have been involved in the online community in any way, shape, or form posted a picture of somebody that had an RBA on an EVOD battery and the way the post came across it was like this guy had committed a cardinal sin by putting this RBA on there and it was just fucking stupid and all this other shit well and the more I think about it the more I have to wrap my head around the fact that this friend of mine is in Southern California and as we all know um, a lot of the vape scene in Southern California is what Upstomp and I call the vapesters or the hipsters. Um, so everything out there tends to be sub-ohm and clouds and, you know, crazy, stupid, ignorant builds and all of that shit. So looking at it from that perspective, maybe that's why he made this comment like the guy was an idiot for having this RBA on this EVOD. But I have to look at this. I am looking at this entire situation from the point where I have RBAs on batteries like that. I've had them on my eye taste. I've had them on my eye sticks. I've had them on my ego twists. Okay. And as long as that RBA had a build in it that was like 1.4 or higher, it's fine. It's just fine. But I think what really bothered me was the fact that, you know, you go out of your way to take a picture of somebody you don't know and basically shame them on the internet when you don't even know is what the fuck they were doing was even bad. Hi, Oliver. So... I guess, you know, I don't know. Um, and I'm, I consider myself a pretty damn judgmental person. Um, I am. I'm a bitch. I am quite judgmental and I'm very vocal about things. But, yeah, that just seemed like a little too much for me. Maybe it's the East Coast versus the West Coast thing. And maybe because, you know, sub-ohm isn't the entire lump sum world of vaping here that it is out there. 
Um, but yeah, it, it really threw me for a loop. This is somebody, this is a friend of mine that, you know, has always been a really good guy. And I was just absolutely floored when, when I saw that post. I was like, what in the fuck? Yeah, and, and that's right. And Jacato, you're right. Shame, shame really doesn't help. You know, if shaming people helped, all of these vendors that I see, um, and Dawn, Vaping Realtor Dawn, thank you Dawn for throwing my fucking blood pressure into the stratosphere. Um, Dawn threw up a post on, <laughs> on my feed. She was watching Taz and DG over on Vape TV last night um i was not i was i have been so busy and uh dg was showing them the ad and you remember that guy that kevin had on his show the the crazy the crazy guy that kevin was afraid of um dude's got a full page ad in vapor digest this month full page ad in vapor digest now this guy do you remember yeah, he was like threatening Kevin and shit. Kevin was all scared of him. Um, not that I, you know, not that Kevin didn't have a right to be afraid of the dude because the guy was kind of scary. Um, but yeah, the guy that's making all kinds of medical claims and shit about the lung cleanse and all of that crap. There is a full page ad on this in Vapor Digest. I was really kind of, kind of surprised um, I know in television that if the FCC gives your ad a green light, that there isn't a network out there that can refuse to sell you advertising space. And, you know, and I get that. But I don't think that print media is that way. So I was really kind of surprised to, to see this full page ad in, in Vape Digest. Um, Vapor Digest, excuse me there, let me say the name correctly. Um, not that I don't butcher up words. <laughs> up stumps here, he'll tell you that I do, and I do it frequently. Um, but I'm, so I'm flipping through this online version of Ape Digest, and I'm looking and I'm like, you know, if, if I was as much of an asshole as some people think I am, I would start calling out these vendors by name that are using copyrighted imagery from national brands of candy and snacks and such on their e-liquid labels. But I don't. Do I hope that shaming them this way without throwing their names out there will make them get their head out of their ass? Yes, I do hope it will do that. Um, do I really think that's going to happen? No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen at all. Because as long as there is money to be made in vaping, there are going to be douchebags that do whatever the fuck they want, any way they fucking want. And they're not going to care. They're not going to care if they're pissing me off. They're not going to care if they're pissing you off. The only thing they're going to care about is making money up to the point that they get that fancy little cease and desist letter in the fucking mail. 
So what do we do to stop that? What exactly is it that we can do to get these assholes to stop making advocacy harder for everybody that's fighting for it? Because I really have no fucking clue. I honestly have no idea what it is that we should do about those douchebags. Okay? Some of the things that we can do something about, um, if any of you people out there that contact your Congress critters and such, um, hit them up about this. If you haven't seen it, H.R. 2058 is from they're what they're trying to do. Okay, what is going on with this is they're trying to get the FDA to move the grandfather date for e-cigs and other newly deemed tobacco products by the FDA from 2011 to 2015 when the regulations go into effect. Okay, which we we really do believe that they are going to go into effect this year. Um they're not looking anything like they're not going to. Um, I don't think we're going to get lucky enough to have it be beyond 2015 that these things go into effect. So if you contact these people, you should contact them about this. Tell them to support it. Tell them this is something that we actually can get behind. Who would have thought? Um, what else did I get? Oh, I got some other stuff from Jan. What else did I get from Jan? I told Jan I was covering Bill Godshall's email tonight and let me know if there's anything Kasai related that she wanted talked about. Um, there's a bunch of call to actions. Um, Iowa has a call to action that's going out. Um, it's pretty important. Check that one out. Um, who else we got? Oh, Salem, Oregon. Something going on in Salem, Oregon. And by the way, if if you don't know where the calls to action are, you can go to kasad.org and um, they have a list of all of the calls to action. You can even go through them by state. Uh, there's another one going in Kansas. But if if you have to pick one thing to do, guys, really, honestly, if you have to pick one thing to do, please, please make it be support of HR 2058. Um, that that can be really, really important to us. I'm just saying. Just saying. Um, oh, and 2058 is Representative Cole. That's the man that initiated this. We don't know why or how, but we're just pretty fucking thankful that somebody's thinking about doing it. Um... Bill says, uh, big tobacco investors, uh, bullish on Mitch Zeller and the FDA proposed deeming regulations that would ban the sale of more than 99.9% of the nicotine vapor products. After little change in 2012, cigar industry stocks have surged since Mitch Zeller became CTP director on March 4th of 2013. And since the FDA proposed Banning e-cigarettes back on April the 15th, 2014, Altria stock increased from $33.51 a share to $38.40 a share and then 
to $50.78 per share. R.J. Reynolds stock went from 43 and change to 53 and change up to 76 and change. Lorillard stock increased from 38 and change to 54 up to 72. Okay? Did you hear that? Now, talk of banning e-cigs floods the media. And what happened? Holy fuck. Big tobacco is cashing in on stock prices. Who would have thought that this was about the money? Huh. Huh. I am absolutely shocked. Yes, that was heavy on the sarcasm. There is, um, uh, oh, let me read this one. Uh, the FDA protects cigarettes and threatens public health yet again by rejecting 2011 citizens' petition from Reynolds to change the 1986 warning on smokeless tobacco products from warning this product is not a safe alternative to cigarettes to warning no tobacco product is safe, but this product presents substantially lower risks to health than cigarettes. The FDA's rejection letter to Reynolds falsely claims the current warning is factual and not misleading. Grossly exaggerates the negligible risks of smokeless tobacco use. Um, There is from the Winston-Salem Journal. It says the Food and Drug Administration denied Tuesday a request from two Reynolds America Inc. subsidiaries to alter a smokeless product warning label to reflect a reduced risk component compared with traditional cigarettes. R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company, an American snuff company, LLC, filed what is known as a citizen petition on July 2nd, or, or, sorry, in July of 2011, asking the FDA to change one of the four warning statements used on a rotating basis. The petition is one way the FDA accepts requests to issue, change, or cancel a regulation or to take other action. David Howard, a spokesman for R.J. Reynolds Services Company, said the companies believe the targeted label, warning this product is not safe, is not a safe alternative to cigarettes, is misleading to consumers of snus, moist snuff, chewing tobacco, and plug tobacco. When Reynolds filed the petition, it included dissolvable products that have been discontinued. The companies requested the label change to warning no tobacco product is safe, but is, pro- but this product presents substantially lower risk to health than cigarettes. Reynolds also suggested no tobacco product is safe. However, exclusive use of smokeless tobacco products presents substantially less risk to health than cigarettes. The FDA warning labels. In June of 2009, the Food and Drug Administration began requiring all smokeless tobacco products manufacturers to rotate one of four warning labels on their products. They are, warning, this product can cause mouth cancer. Warning, this product can cause gum disease and tooth loss. 
Warning, this product is not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Warning, smokeless tobacco is addictive. Howard said the targeted warning is misleading because it implies that smokeless tobacco products and cigarettes present equal risks. He said the subsidiaries are concerned that not having a reduced risk label among the four warnings contributes to some adult tobacco consumers believing smokeless tobacco products present the same, if not more, risk to health than cigarettes. The FDA said it denied the petition after thoroughly reviewing the available scientific evidence and public comments. Yeah, because we know they sure do that, right? Lion fucks. The agency determined there is insufficient evidence to demonstrate that a change in the warnings would promote greater public understanding of the risks associated with the use of smokeless tobacco products. The Reynolds subsidiaries said they will continue to engage in regular regulatory discussions in the belief that if open lines of communications are the most effective approach to establish a science-based regulatory framework for the tobacco industry. Swedish Match suggested a similar warning label as the Reynolds subsidiaries in its FDA application for its general SNUS product to be certified as a modified risk product. SNUS are tea bag like pouches or loose tobacco that users stick between their cheek and gum. Camel SNUS, made by Reynolds Tobacco, dominated the American market. In June of 2014, Swedish Match began what analysts have called a daunting regulatory tasking. Submitting 10 general styles as a modified risk product with scientific evidence to support that claim. The application contains more than 100,000 pages. The Swedish Match style are available in more than 20,000 U.S. retail outlets. The FDA signaled in April that it had concerns about Swedish Match application. It is the first time the FDA has accepted a modified risk tobacco product application, a move that's being closely watched by both the public health community and the tobacco companies, which are looking for new products to sell as they face declining cigarette demands due to tax increases, health concerns, smoking bans, and social stigma. Swedish Match's application highlights the debate over how best to control tobacco. One camp says there's no safe way to use tobacco and pushes for people to quit above all else. Yeah, you quit or die, fuckers. Others embrace the idea that lower-risk alternatives like smokeless tobacco or electronic cigarettes can improve public health if they mean fewer people smoke. Of course, I think all of us are in that camp. Reynolds said it will not comment on whether it has submitted a similar modified risk tobacco product application, saying it is proprietary information. Gregory Conley, Greg, you're a rock star. I'm telling you. Love this kid. A consultant supportive of <laughs> Gregory Conley, a consultant supportive of smokeless tobacco as a reduced risk products, said the FDA's decision is arbitrary and not the result of good faith, evidence-based agency decision-making. Scott Ballin, past chairman of the Coalition on Smoking or Health, said he was surprised the FDA said there was insufficient evidence that a change in the label would promote a greater understanding of the risks. 
How can there be evidence made available until the changes are actually tested in the public domain, Balin asked. There is a great deal of evidence that non-combustible products are lower in risk than toxic cigarettes. So, you know, hey, who would have guessed that the FDA hates us? We didn't know that. Louisville professor Brad Rodu's call for more access for smokers to smoke-free nicotine. Dr. Brad Rodu is a professor of medicine at the University of Louisville. He has been ACSH advisor for many years and has written or co-written many of our publications on tobacco harm reduction. Um, This is from the American Council on Science and Health, by the way. He was also a member of the ACSH panel at the American Academy for the Advancement of Science, Conclave, which presented our perspectives on harm reduction, policy change to reduce the global toll of smoking-related disease in Vancouver in 2012. His recent op-ed, Smoke-Free Tobacco Can Save Lives, explains how smokers' craving for nicotine sickens and kills them from the smoke, not from the nicotine thus allowing smokers ready access to smoke-free nicotine, would have the effect of preventing almost all of the smoking-related illness and death. Smoking-related illnesses are the most important preventable killers in our nation, yet no governments and regulators are tightening the restrictions on methods to help smokers quit all over the land. Just this week, San Francisco banned smokeless tobacco in outdoor arenas. What possible public health benefit Can that yield, we wonder? Dr. Rodu's words speak volumes. While our federal government dreams of a tobacco-free society, 42 million Americans continue to smoke and nearly half a million die each year. That is 1,300 smoker deaths every single day. Tobacco policy in the U.S. is driven by prohibitionists who insist that smokers quit nicotine and tobacco altogether. They ignore the fact that nicotine, although addictive, is not the major cause of any disease associated with smoking. Nicotine is similar to caffeine, which is addictive but safely consumed by millions daily in coffee, tea, and cola drinks. Science shows that it's the smoke that kills you, yet the government refuses to tell smokers about the far safer alternative products like smokeless tobacco and e-cigarettes. Well, well, who'd have thought? Okay. It doesn't have to be that way. Over the past century in Sweden, men have smoked less and used more smokeless tobacco, a spit-free product called snus, than in any other Western country. The result? Swedish men have, the de- have developed the, lowest, the world's lowest rates of lung cancer and smoking-related deaths. Numerous research studies have documented the health risks of smokeless tobacco. Uses are also low to be barely measurable even for mouth cancer. His conclusion is, switching from e-cigarettes to smoke-free tobacco products yields almost all of the health benefits of quitting altogether. That's the life-saving truth. ACSH's Dr. Gil Ross had this comment, In a sane world, Dr. Rodu would not have to make a case for smoke-free products. 
It would be an obvious benefit for smokers. Instead, as he points out, and as we have noted on numerous occasions, trying to get the facts about harm reduction out to the smokers has been thwarted by a conspiracy involving government, public health officials, academics, and big pharma to keep smokers hooked on deadly combustible tobacco. Their reasons are complex, but always... I can't pronounce that word, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'm just going to skip that word, because Upstomp will fuck with me if I get the word wrong, so we're just skipping the damn word. But anyway, their reasons are complex. mainly involving keeping their cash flowing from pharmaceutical company donations and cigarette excise taxes. For a UK-EU perspective, matching Dr. Rodu's in passion and evidence, also see, also see Clive Bates' death by regulation, condemning the lethal ban on Swedish snuffs smokeless in the EU. So there we have it. Once again, now we have even have doctors. We have doctors that have been against smoking coming out and saying, why, why are all of these people demonizing these harm reduction products? The whole quit or die mentality has to go. It really has to go. These people are taking facts and twisting them into something that they're not to justify what they say. But yet when we tell the truth, we're saying horribly bad things. I just... I just don't quite get it. Uh, here's one from the Trib Live, the opinion in, in the review. Um, the urban progressives have become libertarians of convenience. This is from the 16th of May by Aaron Rem. Uh, something curious is happening in cities across the country. Urban progressives are finding their goals stymied by laws and regulations, and they are demanding less government interference, but very selectively. Call them libertarians of convenience. Nowhere is this trend more noticeable than in the housing policy. Rules limiting, limiting density have become a regular target. Liberal urban affairs journalist Henry Gabar has lamented Los Angeles' regulation-inducing housing shortage. Vox Matz Yiglius, a left-wing writer, wants to see a major rollback of regulation to create a freer market in land use. But the urban left's sudden passion for deregulation goes beyond housing. When hip food establishments run into red tape, progressives jump into gear. The regulatory Travalis of the Chicago Logan Square Kitchen attracted a series of articles in the alternative weekly Chicago Reader, which observed the munite of this licensing confusion are mind-numbing. 
Libertarians and city-dwelling foodies have joined forces to promote food freedom and fight bans on unpasteurized milk and meat curing. Farmers should be able to smoke a ham and sell it to their neighbors without making a huge investment in federally approved facilities, wrote one food activist and author Michael Pollan. Rules that make food trucks illegal or hard to run are yet another irritant. Many restaurateurs would prefer a downtown free from competitors. Greater and Greater Washington editorialized, but it makes as much sense to give restaurants input on where food trucks can operate as it does to give food trucks control over prices restaurants can charge. Much of the new sharing economy, made up of firms such as Airbnb and Lyft, which which facilitate peer-to-peer rentals of things like apartments or cars that the owners aren't using, has made regulators uneasy. But progressives have proved more friendly than not to this burgeoning market. Burgeoning market. Excuse me. There, I got that right. Urban progressives' enthusiasm for deregulation is highly inconsistent, however. Indeed, many policy areas, they're pushing for greatly expanded regulation. They've just joined the fight for a local minimum wage hikes in cities from Chicago to Los Angeles, for instance, and they regularly try to block chain retailers such as Walmart from expanding into their neighborhoods. The regulatory spirit, particularly relentless when it comes to the environment. San Francisco has restricted plastic water bottles and banned single-use plastic bags from stores, promoting the alternative weekly San Francisco Bay Guardian to cheer the city for continuing to lead the way in the the nation's environmental policy. New York's liberal icon mayor, Bill de Blasio, has announced a ban on polystyrene packaging starting in July. Smoking policy brings out the most absurd cohortians, As the left champions the legalization of marijuana, even as it vilifies tobacco, San Francisco, it's easy to pick on San Francisco, has banned cigarette smoking at outdoor events but exempted pot smoking for medical purposes. These inconsistencies seem to reflect elite biases. The things that liberal-minded city residents like and want to do, eat from a hip food truck, smoke dope, and other Borgenese bohemian pursuits should be left as free as possible. Consequences be damned. Those that they consider declassé, the big gulps, the cigarettes, and Walmart, should be restricted or even shut down. It's regulation for thee, but not for me. Libertarians of convenience might argue that there is no real contradiction here that they have no problem with regulation in theory, just with stupid regulation, that they only favor laws regulating genuinely harmful activities and liberalization in all other cases. But that claim doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Consider raw milk, which some progressives think should be sold freely along with pasteurized milk. From 2007 to 2012, 26 states reported 81 bacterial infection outbreaks to the Center for Disease Control. These outbreaks caused almost 1,000 illnesses and close to 100 hospitalizations. Or 
On the other side of the spectrum, consider e-cigarettes, which many liberals want to see regulated as tightly as traditional cigarettes. E-cigarettes contain no tobacco and produce no smoke. There is no evidence that they are linked to cancer. Nor are the libertarians of convenience particularly sympathetic to those who cling to the regulations that they happen to despise. Vox's Matt Yiglias, for instance, has said that people who don't want to live next to a tall building should simply move if one pops up in their neighborhood. What part-time freedom lovers don't understand is that absent a wider culture of liberty, their calls for change will probably go unheeded. They can't just flip their regulatory mindset on and off, like a light switch, depending on what they like or don't like. Many of the bans and rules that well-meaning liberal bureaucrats impose on cities not only make life difficult for a muffler shop, a hardware store, plumbing firms, bodegas, and other unglamorous operations, but they also harm the enterprises that progressive love that progressives love, sorry. Most activities generate at least some negative result somewhere to someone. Government's role is not to eliminate all possible risk or harm. It is to intervene when truly necessary. And while the definition of necessary is fundamentally political in a free society such as ours, the, the bias should be toward less meddling, not more. At least some on the left appreciate the principle of liberty when it comes to things such as free speech. They understand that odious opinions have to be tolerated or everyone's liberty is at risk. That selective free expression isn't really free, but they fail to see that selective economic freedom brings its own injustices and inequities. Progressives should embrace a broader principle of economic liberty for American cities, not only for their own sake or for the sake of their own pet causes, but also because it's the right thing to do. You know, I think I kind of like that guy. Yeah, I think I kind of like him. I'm going to have to pay attention to the to this guy's articles. It's Aaron M. Wren, R-E-N-N. Um, I kind of like this guy. Is ham a healthy alternative to to tobacco? Um, I don't know about that, Michael Morris. I happen, I really do like ham. I don't know is if I should eat ham all day every day though um yeah i don't know that oh inhale your caffeine with a vaporizer created by a vancouver company this is just bad Getting a buzz from a cup of coffee or an energy drink may be so passe now that a Vancouver Vancouver company has introduced a vaporizer for that extra jolt. The Eagle Energy Vapor looks like an e-cigarette, but it contains ingredients similar to energy drinks. Its creators boast that it has no nicotine or sugar. 
As, a new technology, as new technologies evolved, we saw the opportunity to create a product with functional benefit that would revolutionize the energy category, co-founder Elliot Mashford said in a press release. We want to change the way people see vapor products. Dude, you're not helping us. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I promise you, dude, you're not helping us. Uh, Mashford and partner Carson Hutchinson came up with the idea nearly a year ago and online sales started this spring. The product tastes and smells like a fruity energy drink, which they believe will attract target audiences of 18 to 24 year olds. Ho <laughs> ho dude, you're not fucking helping us. Oh, each stick contains roughly 500 puffs with an average use of 10 to 20 puffs, depending on the user's sensitivity to caffeine. A warning on each stick says it is not intended for anyone younger than 18 years old and advises a daily limit of one vaporizer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The vaporizers cost $74.99 for a box of 10 or $8.99 per stick. They're available online or at whatever, whatever, whatever's tobacconist chain. And um, okay, the company also has a deal with MGM Resorts to sell their vaporizers at the chain's 10 hotel and casino properties. Shocking. Shocking that a casino would want you hopped up on caffeine. Who would have fucking guessed? Um, we're really excited about the progress we've made in such a short, short time, Hutchinson told the Huffington Post in BC in a phone interview. The reception has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, I don't, I don't know if if you guys are aware of the fact that I have a huge issue with energy drinks um there has been a couple of kids here in this town that have been hospitalized because what happens is these stupid kids and yes they're stupid kids um do you know why they're stupid kids because they're fucking kids and they're fucking stupid and teenagers do really stupid shit just because they can um they're teenagers for god's sake yeah they do stupid shit um, but so, yeah, these kids, they, you know, get 40 bucks in their pocket and they all go down to the store and they buy all these rock stars and Red Bulls and, and all of that other fucking shit. And they, they sit around and see who can chug the most. And, um, and, you know, there comes a point when your body says, this is too much fucking caffeine. Yo, hello, too much. It's too much. Um, but yet, you know, I mean, hey, your 11-year-old can walk in the 7-Eleven and buy a six-pack of energy drinks if he wants to, and you are none the fucking wiser. Nobody has to tell you a damn thing. Um, so... Yeah, this this whole product line this guy's coming out with. I yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, you know. Hey, but hey. They probably don't 
apparently they don't like my e-cig either, and I do, so it's it's a difference of opinion. And opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and we're all entitled to them, and occasionally they all stink. Uh, just lucky for us if it doesn't all happen at the same time. <sighs> From the Tobacco Control at bmj.com I have another one for you um, randomized clinical trial of snus versus medicinal nicotine among smokers interested in product switching um, this entire paper finds that snus is as effective as four meg of nicotine gum for smoking cessation. So, you know, there are studies being conducted out there. Yeah, it's pronounced snus. I can call it snus if I want to. It's snus in, in England and on inside vaping. It's snus in the realm of the Genie K show. Um, yeah, I can. I, I I pronounce a lot of things really fucked up. Um, if if you don't know that by now, honey, um, just just talk to Upstomp. Upstomp will tell you that that I pronounce all kinds of shit fucked up. Hello, Tower of Ape. Hi, sweetie. How are you? So um, yeah, I actually have a DNA twenty mod uh, that is made out of a camel snus can. My wonderful friend Abby um, and Matt um, made it for me. It even has my name on it. So, yeah. Um, and, and what's funny is if I loan somebody a DNA 20 mod to try it out, I always loan them that one because that one's got my name on it. So I always get it back. <laughs> you know, if you're going to loan somebody a nice mod, um, loan them a mod that's got your name on it because, you know, I am probably the only genie k that that i know and i'm probably the only genie k a lot of you know so yeah i always get my mods back it works out fucking wonderfully but yeah so it's made out of a snus can oh and you remember by the way you remember when i said that i got that that enjoy uh, that flavored Enjoy, the Enjoy Recharge given to me at ECC VPX up in Niagara Falls. I actually, I have to tell you that I actually went and bought a five pack of cartomizers for this thing. Um, so that I can give it to my mom. Um, because like I said, for me, somebody that vapes 12 at 1.8 ohms or, you know, somebody that, and, you know, my, in my drippers that are at 0.9 and 0.45, those I have six meg in. Um, but for me, the, the recharge, the Android recharge was holy fucking high Nick level. Um, and that's about all I can say about it. It was holy fucking high because you can't find a nick level on this thing anywhere. So anyway, so my mother really liked this thing. So I went and bought a five pack of the cartomizer so that I can give it to my mom. And my mom, you know, she liked it. She liked the fact that it was little like a cigarette. She liked that it had the stupid little case for it. Um, and she liked the nicotine hit that she gets off of that. 
Um, when my mother is around me, she doesn't smoke. She will use her e-cig. When my mother's around my sister, who still smokes, then my mother still smokes. So, you know, my mother is a dual user, but she's not one of those dual users that uses vaping to smoke or she couldn't normally smoke. My mother vapes around other people that vape to not offend them with her cigarette smoke. So every time I hear Mitch Zeller or Stanton Glantz talk horribly about dual users, oh, we can't have this. You know what? Fuck you guys. Really, just fuck you. Because you have got a lot of people, just like my mother, that have been lifelong smokers that have never wanted to quit. They've lived their entire life smoking and they haven't died of lung cancer yet, so they don't care if they ever fucking quit. They don't care. My mom is never going to quit smoking. But you know what? When she's around me and she's using an e-cig instead of lighting up another cigarette, that matters to me. That counts. And how dare these assholes make something shitty and bad out of that. But that's exactly what these sons of bitches do. That's exactly what they do. They make it out like she is committing some a tr- some horrible sin and it's just fucked up. I'm sorry. Sorry, but it is. It it's 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 just fucked up. It really Can you tell it really bothers me when they bitch about dual users? Who the thunk? Okay, we got to get past this. All right, so the Richmond Times Dispatch. Oh, by John Reed Blackwell of the Richmond Times Dispatch. While the public health community continues to debate the pros and cons of electronic cigarettes, one Richmond area e-cig company has surveyed its customers to shed light on why they use the devices. Avail Vapor, LLC, a fast-growing Chesterfield County-based retailer of e-cigs, said it conducted a two-week survey that drew 8,500 responses, about half of them its own customers. James Zhu, the co-founder and co-owner of Aval, said they, the survey results shed light on some of the key questions about e-cigs in the ongoing public health debate such as whether the devices are a gateway to using conventional tobacco products and whether e-cig users, known as vapors, typically use them exclusively or in combination with conventional tobacco products. Aval said 94% of the survey respondents already used tobacco products before starting e-cigs, with the length of time they use conventional products varying widely from less than one year to more than 30 years. Only 5.8% of the survey respondents said they started using e-cigs without using traditional tobacco products first. 5.8%. Almost 80% of the survey responders said that they started using e-cigs as a way to quit using conventional tobacco products. And 85% said they did quit using conventional tobacco products, with 69% quitting within a month. About 13% said that they had reduced their consumption of conventional products. The company's survey indicates that e-cigs are not a gateway to traditional smoking. The data shows it is a one-way street. 
We don't see much dual use, both of e-cigs and conventional products, he said. Avail plans to submit the survey results to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. Um, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. I should read that again without laughing. Avail plans to submit the survey results to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which is considering how it should regulate e-cigs, and may issue rules in June. The agency is planning a public meeting on June the 1st and June the 2nd to collect more information and to stimulate discussion among scientists about electronic cigarettes. By the way, time out. Wait, time out from this fucking article. Yes, and they are. The FDA is having this public meeting, to which they rejected Dr. Constantinos Farsalino's application to speak. Yes, because they are so concerned about being fair and gathering all the information, they denied one of the leading researchers in the world on e-cigarettes. Because that was a smart fucking move. All right, anyway. The FDA has published a list of about 50 questions that it wants to have answered about e-cig use. Again, they denied Dr. Constantinos Farsalinos the opportunity to speak. Because that makes lots of fucking sense. Oh, Avail said it adapted its survey questions from the FDA's list. We decided how we would like our customers to voice their opinions, said Maggie M. Gowan, Director of Communications for Aval, which has 43 ESIG shops in the southeast and is planning to open more stores. Aval has seven stores in the Richmond area. You know, I probably should have went and found one of them while I was down there for Vaporcon. Maybe I'll do that this year. We felt like it was important that we take some sample data and present it to the FDA. How they use it or not, we have no control over. At least, at least these people are realistic, right? The Avail survey was divided about evenly between respondents from the company's database of store customers and other respondents from social media sites where a link to the survey was posted. Because the survey was limited to people over the age of 18, it did not address questions about youth e-cig use, a major concern for the FDA. Instead, the survey focused on why adults use the product. And you know, and here I have to say this too about the FDA with this kids and e-cigs, all right? All right, fine. You don't want kids vaping. All right, then pass some fucking laws that actually make it illegal for teens to use this product. Not just purchase it, to use this product. That would just make all kinds of sense now, wouldn't it? Dumb fucks. <sighs> and these people are not elected officials, by the way. All these people in the FDA? These motherfuckers are appointed. They're not elected. They're appointed. Oh, shit. Okay, the avail survey was... Uh, okay, I did that. Because the survey was limited... They didn't get into the kids. In regulating e-cigs, the FDA has to consider not only how the products might affect individual users, but what impact they may have on the whole population, such as encouraging more nicotine use, for example. No, 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 you don't. See, and that's the thing. They, they have sat here and they have demonized nicotine when originally when all of this started and the entire battle against smoking started, it was about the smoking. It wasn't about the nicotine. But again, demonizing nicotine 
makes their friends a lot of money, which in turn makes them some more money. Yeah, fuckers. E-cigs have been controversial in part because of the nicotine solutions that are used in the devices are sold with a variety of added artificial flavorings, including sweet and fruity flavors. Critics of the industry say that makes vaping more attractive to children and that flavors should be restricted or banned. Fuck you people. Really. Absolutely. Totally. Fuck you people. Um, you know what I'm vaping right now? I have to tell you. Now, and everybody knows I'm the grandma of the vaping world. And... You know, I have lots of grandchildren. Um, I am getting close to that 50 mark. But anyway, so what I am vaping right now, I have a blueberry pomegranate that is in this device. And then in this device over here, I have a lemon shortbread cookie. Okay, this lemon shortbread cookie recipe is something that I have been working on and working on and working on. And I was so happy that I finally got Flavor Art flavorings in because Flavor Art Marshmallow and Flavor Art Merengue and uh, the the Lemon Sicily and the cookie. I, I'm telling you, I am going to nail this lemon shortbread cookie if it kills me because I have been working on this fucking recipe for a very long time. <laughs> And I think I almost have it exactly where I want. So, um, as far as um, being attractive to children, well, I have a mother, so I guess that technically that makes me a child. Um, but, you know, my mother is 69 years old. Um, but yet again, you know, I am a child. So, in that respect, they're right. Um, as far as marketing to children, I did not create this flavor. Um, with any intention of it attracting a child under the age of 18 to try it. I really don't believe that most of the e-liquid creators out there um, have ever sat down at their mixing station and looked at all of their flavors and said, hmm... What can I make that a 14-year-old would like? That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. But they have to make it about the flavors. And the nicotine. Oh my god, nicotine is addictive. So fucking what? Alcohol is addictive. They're not banning that. They did restrict the sale. But it's addictive. Caffeine is addictive. Sugar is addictive. If you don't think sugar is addictive, watch the uh, food documentary called um, F.U. And and it's not F.U. as in what Jeannie K. would say as in fuck you. Um, it's F.U. as in fed up. Um, if you're really interested in, in what you're putting into your body every day that you're walking out of a grocery store with, you really should watch this documentary. It's on Netflix, by the way. Okay. It is. It's on Netflix. Um, everybody should watch it. Um, I think the thing in this entire documentary on food that floored me the most was they said that there were like 600,000 food products in grocery stores in the United States. 80% of those food products have added sugar. Not sugar in them because it's supposed to be there, but 
added sugar. That one, that one was shocking to me. That really, really surprised me. So yeah, um, fruity flavors marketing to children. Um, wait a minute. You know what? I was 12 when I started smoking cigarettes. Yes, 12 people. I was 12 years old. Um, I didn't snort, I didn't snort, um, I didn't start smoking because it was cool. I didn't start smoking because my parents did. I didn't start smoking because my friends did. I started smoking because I wanted to stay skinny. Did you hear that? Yeah, that's exactly, that's what I said. And guess what? Cigarettes tasted like shit. But I continued to smoke that shit for 27 years. I am. Um, I'm sure that out of all of the adults sitting here listening to this show, that I would say the great, greater percentage of us have spent enough time at concerts or parties or such that we have all smelled marijuana at some point. Okay. It is not a nice smell. It's not. The effects might be, but the smell of that shit burning is not. Kids are still trying that shit every fucking day. So the whole thing, this this whole argument about flavors attracting children absolutely makes me fucking insane. It makes me insane. Their only their only fallback is if we can't get our doom and gloom across, if we can't force regulation, if we can't make the greater population agree with what we want them to do, all we have to do is start screaming save the children. And I'm not saying we shouldn't save the children. Okay? I'm a mother. I've got four children and grandchildren. And, you know, I don't want any of them unsafe. My vape isn't a danger to them. That's the actual facts. We've seen this. We have seen study after study after study that any effects from secondhand vapor are so tiny they don't even bear being mentioned. I think that's all I've got for tonight, guys. I think I'm done. How do you like that? Oh, and by the way, I did have the phones on all night. I will um I will play some after hours music though. So if anybody's got anything they want to hear, let me know. I'll see y'all next week.